We're going to talk today uh, about one of my favorite subjects in the Word of God. Does that surprise you? I like, I like the whole Word of God. Sometimes, though, you know, I don't know about you, but I read things and I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, I esteem your Word above everything else to be true. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to receive that. Uh, do you ever look around, especially now, it's uh, 2016, we are in an election year. And uh, if you didn't know that, you probably uh, maybe live, I just saw in the, I think it was the Washington Post, there was an article, they talked about a town in West Virginia where there is no cell phone reception at all. No, like, signals can get in or out or anything, and they're selling the whole town for uh, $1 million. And that includes 80 homes, and I think a library, and a post office, and all this stuff, but <laughs> you will not have connectivity. And... Um, uh, <laughs> So maybe you've been there, you don't know what's going on. Uh, but even, even right here uh, in this school, the school board meets here, they've made some uh, peculiar uh, decisions and, uh, as far as like what bathroom, which gender would use, and if people could choose their gender. And, um, you know, you look at, uh, you ever see the bumper sticker that says like coexist? You know, so like trying to say like, you know, no religion is better than any other religion. Every religion's the same. And I'm sure you all are out there right now thinking, where in the world is he going with this? Uh, but really, um, all of that and all of the new ideas, all of this stuff, it really kind of all boils down to one thing. And um, that would be one of my favorite subjects, which is the subject of righteousness or righteousness consciousness, which is a really, really big word and a really like uh, word that sometimes we overlook because you hear it in church, but you don't really hear it other places unless like maybe in uh, Tom's era, you're riding a bike, it's like righteous dude or something like that, you know? <laughs> um, so maybe people use it like that. <laughs> uh, <that's> a... <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, but righteousness, I like how E.W. Kenyon defined it. He said, it's the ability to stand in the presence of God without the sense of fear or inferiority or being less than anything. And still, I think that doesn't really um, do it justice. So what we find here is um, that, uh, I'll, I'll just read his actually. He said, it's a sense of guilt, inferiority, failure, and weakness. And it makes man reason. And it's really where all religions are birthed from. And so what happens is, uh, when you feel like uh, you don't belong, is how I'd like to say it in 21st century language. So it's the sense of not belonging is sin consciousness. Righteousness consciousness is the sense of you belong, you're part of the family, that's where you're supposed to be. And you think of, like, I think of like, uh, if you go to a concert and you happen to know somebody that's one of the singers or in the band, and then they're like, hey, let me take you backstage. Uh, if it's a well-known concert, I guarantee you you're not getting backstage without a pass or someone that knows you like that. Well, of course, with us, we can get to the presence of the Father if we know Jesus Christ, and he takes us right in there. Uh, I mean, the name of our church is Anchor Church, and that comes from Hebrews 6.19, talking about the anchor that goes within the veil, and that Jesus was a forerunner, the one that paved the way, made the pathway so that we could go beyond the veil. And beyond the veil, of course, is into the very presence of God himself, uh, and Hebrews tells us that we're to come boldly. Okay, well, if you don't feel like you belong, you certainly don't come boldly. 
Have you ever seen like a, a dog that's been whipped? And uh, if you, if you uh, adopt dogs or you have family that adopts dogs and they've been abused and you see and you're like, hey, and you can just move towards that animal sometimes if they've been abused and they're like this. Well, you see um, in today's society and not just in America, and, um, you know, there's new things that people are saying, but it's really not that new because, uh, you know, back in Bible days, people were doing the same things, different words, you know, different, a uh, little bit different culture, but people are pretty much the same. But really what mankind is searching for, whether good or bad mankind, is they're searching for a, a right to belong, a place to belong. And what we see showing up in today's society is you see, well, no one's going to tell me I can't choose my gender, or no one's going to tell me I can't choose who I'm going to marry, or nobody's going to tell me where I can or can't go, or nobody can tell me that what they believe is better than what I believe. And so that all comes from that consciousness of sin. In other words, uh, society is really trying to remove any hint that what anybody's doing is not right for them. Right? Like it's it's kind of like individualistic. So that I can do anything I want. It doesn't matter who it hurts as long as it makes me feel good, as long as I like it. Well, that's really removing, they're trying to remove through reasoning and through laws a consciousness of sin. Right? Because if it's not right to um, you know uh, pick your gender then if you say, well, no, it is right, anybody can pick it and nobody can come against it, you've just taken away that, well, now I'm not doing wrong. So they're trying to remove the consciousness of sin. But I guarantee if that goes across the United States and comes into place, they're going to find something else because all it is is they're trying in so many different ways to get right with God who they may not even know exists in their mind. They may not realize it, but they're searching for that. And so that's really what happens in everyone's life, and people go about it in different ways. And uh, sometimes people do it through pleasures that are not even bad pleasures. Maybe like I remember uh, when I was stationed out here um, in the uh, late 90s, and um, I used to go snow skiing. I learned to snow ski, and I love snow skiing. And that was like my most favorite thing. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. And in the, in the winters, I pretty much lived for that. And, um, you know, I was a Christian, but kind of not, not really like backslidden, but I wasn't like really in close fellowship with the Lord. And so once I got in close fellowship with the Lord, I still like to ski, but not really like the same amount, if that makes sense. I still enjoy uh, lots of different things, but it's not the center of my desire and the center of my focus. And so people go about, uh, humans, I should say, go about to fulfill this desire that's inerrant in all of us because God created all of us to be with him. So we all have this desire all mankind does, whether we are conscious of that desire, what it is or not. And so people are going around to fulfill that desire through different means. And you get into a very uh, intellectual area or intellectual society, and people try to uh, intellectualize their uh, missing the mark away, right? Missing the mark is just sinning. It's, a, it's an easier word for people to swallow, but it means the same thing. Sometimes like, you sinner, like, no, I mean... We all mess up. That's why the blood of Jesus like, took care of that. Uh, so uh, you, see, you see really the reflection of this in, um, in much of our society. But the answer really is uh, 
Like, how do you get to be righteous? I can remember sitting in, uh, I was in a Southern Baptist church, and uh, I'd already felt called to the ministry. I was in Georgia, and uh, we had a Sunday school class, and I don't remember what book we were studying, but I was enjoying the book. I even did some teaching in the class, and uh, I remember reading in James where James said that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, and the Amplified says it's dynamic in its working. And I remember thinking, I heard Brother Hagin say it after that, but I remember thinking before this, before I heard him ever, I remember thinking, man, because I, I prayed a lot. I, I was brought up, my grandparents on my mother's side, when I would go spend the night at their house, we'd always pray. I can't remember if it was 5.30 or 6 in the morning, but as a little kid, it was super early. And we'd pray for like 30 minutes, knees in front of the couch, praying. We had a list, we'd go through it. <laughs> and... Um, but I think that really birthed something in me for prayer because ever since then I've been kind of, uh, you know, uh, my heart's always towards prayer. And so um, I uh, read that verse and it was interesting because I was always interested in prayer. And I thought, man, if I could ever get to be righteous, once I kind of arrive in righteousness, I'm going to be able to pray like Elijah prayed. And that's amazing. Like I can't wait to get to that point. But uh, in the limited teaching that we had on the subject of righteousness in the church I was going to, it was kind of like way off out in the future, um, probably when you get to heaven, you know, but not now. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's start and read verse 17 through verse 21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, or you could say exchange, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. I like Amplified. It says that God was personally present in Christ, making the world right with himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Now we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, for he has made him, that's Jesus, God has made Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So somebody asked the question, like, how do you get to be righteous? I taught on a message, not this message, but a message on the same subject in Michigan one time. And this sweet gentleman, older guy, he's about this tall and kind of stout and real sweet guy. And he came up after the service and he said, you know, um, you know, if I could just, he wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I know if I could just be good enough that, you know, I could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I said, I had taught on uh, the subject of righteousness. And I said, are you a Christian? He said, yes. And I said, well, then if you're a Christian, you're as righteous as Jesus Christ himself is right now. And he said, oh. and I said, he looked like, I don't, I don't believe that. I can't believe that. And I said to him, I said, are you a man or are you a woman? And he said, I'm a man. And I said, well, how did you get to be that way? He said, I was born that way. And I said, well, that's exactly how you get to be righteous. You're born that way. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And um, we sometimes in our thinking will limit the power of the blood of Jesus. But I want you to uh, uh, 
think with me for a minute. Anybody ever heard uh, Dr. T.L. Osborne before he went to heaven? Uh, amazing uh, world missionary, and we had the privilege of sitting uh, in some of his meetings, and he's had a real impact on my life as well. And um, he said, you need to think. Some of the hardest work in the world is thinking. And I don't know if you've ever like had a hard day. Like uh, this week, I took uh, one day off, and I brush hogged my yard. And um, I have poison ivy to prove it. And, um, but it's going away in Jesus' name. Uh, but uh, you can do a hard physical day of work and be physically tired, but not like mentally tired. And then, you know, I've been like a Unix system administrator and uh, engineer and different things like that. And I'll tell you what, sometimes you're more exhausted like thinking than what you are physically working because it just like can drain you. And so uh, you really need to like, uh, I remember when I was learning to be a Unix system administrator, I would sit at my desk and I'd pray in other tongues, uh, not only to learn how what to do, but to be refreshed because <laughs> you're like, whoo, it's a lot going on. Uh, but you can um, uh, be tired physically and still receive from the Lord. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God who's reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. So if we go about our life trying to accomplish or make our own righteousness, we studied that actually a couple months ago, that uh, that's really getting into works. And you can't receive from God based on what you're doing. You receive from God based on what Jesus Christ has done. So when we uh, look and see ourselves as the righteousness of God, our mind sometimes uh, kind of goes tilt. Like, how, how can that be? Because you know yourself, right? And you know your mistakes, and you know your failures, and you know uh, things that you should have done that you didn't do, or things that you shouldn't have done that you did do. And you're saying like, uh, you know, I don't feel like I should be here. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? And they messed up. They ate the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God told them not to eat. In that day you'll surely die, which really just means separation. Uh, and so they did. They died spiritually. They were separated from God then. And, uh, but God came walking in the garden. And he's like, where are you? He knew where they were. But you know, he's like, what have you done? What's happened? Uh, because they kind of cowered. They even covered themselves, right? They sewed fig leaves and covered themselves because of what they'd done. Well, I have four little children. And so I can tell you, uh, they hide <laughs> and they cover themselves. I think I told the story last week of one of my uh, boys that um, snuck out of the bathroom window <laughs> and was hiding up on the hill behind the bushes because he had uh, had a bad attitude and wasn't changing his attitude, and so he was supposed to stay in the bathroom for a while till he could like calm down and change his attitude. Uh, he was very thorough. He even shut the screen behind him <laughs> and shut the door. So like when I went into the bathroom to look, there's no screen open or nothing, and I can't find him. Uh, but he went to hide. And so all of us, I think, kind of naturally, instinctively, when you mess up, you kind of like uh, want to hide. And that's if I could get a message to somebody that is, was right with the Lord and kind of has backslid, I would tell them like everything that you feel that you sense is a lie. Because the devil wants to tell people when you get away from God in any amount, you're so far away and God doesn't want you around and he doesn't want to see you. Um, but that's a lie. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So Christ didn't die for the good people. 
Christ didn't die for the godly people. Christ died for the ungodly people. While we were sinners, while we were messing up, while we were missing the mark, while we were doing what we shouldn't have been doing, that's when Christ died for you and for me. And I don't care if you're like uh, the best person in the world in this room, like you uh, feel like you've done nothing wrong. That is not enough to become part of the family of God and to go to heaven. The only way that we get to heaven, the only way we become part of God's family is by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. All men died in Adam. Sin came and was birthed in Adam. When you eat of the tree, you'll surely die. And all men live in Christ. And the way that we get in Christ is we receive him as our Lord and as our Savior. In fact, uh, I think John tells us, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. So the way we come into the family of God is by faith in Jesus Christ and receiving what he did and who he is. So when we um, you know, act like, well, I, because I didn't do what I was supposed to do, I don't even feel like I can pray today and I'm not going to connect with God in reading the word today, we're really taking what the blood of Jesus has accomplished and counting it an insignificant small thing. Or if we say like, well, after living a whole life out and once I die, then I'll get to be righteous. You know, like uh, sometimes in some religions, people will actually be considered a saint, not while they're living in the flesh, but later they'll like dub them a saint and say that you're a saint. Yet Paul writes to the saints that are in Jerusalem, to the saints here, to the saints there. So there were saints alive at that time. And really when you're born again, you're actually a saint, whether you feel like it or not. Um, and so, you know, thinking is some of the hardest work you can do, right? So we're working hard this morning. And so think about it for a second. If we believe that in order to be made righteous or in order to be made holy, to be, and holy just means really separated, set apart, special to God, God's special people. Um, in order to be a saint, if we believe that you have to die in order for that to happen, death is of the enemy. So really, we're waiting on a work of the devil to make us righteous, or to make us holy, or to make us just. Now, most Christians, or that I know at least, would be like, no, like God is more powerful than the devil. Uh, but sometimes, through what uh, people say and through circumstances, we get the mindset of, well, once I grow enough, then this will happen or that will happen. For, for so many years, uh, large percentages of uh, churches have really taught uh, sin and condemnation and failure and uh, inability and lack of faith. But I want to challenge you this morning. If you take the scriptures that are in the epistles that talk about being in Christ, in him, in whom, and live like those are true, and you're already a Christian... I guarantee you, your life will be transformed. Just take this one scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him to be sin for us who, uh, excuse me, for he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus didn't come to the world for himself. He came to the world for you and for me and for everyone else that's in the world because he wants Everyone that's alive on the face of the earth, that has been alive on the face of the earth, and that will be alive on the face of the earth, to be part of God's family. That was God's original plan, original design. He wanted fellowship with mankind. He made us in his likeness and in his image. And he wants us to be close to him. So he doesn't want us to be like afar off. He wants us to feel like, wow, we belong. 
And when we become children of God, we become just that, his offspring. We come into his family. And so that now then God is not just God afar off, but he is God, our father in heaven. And he cares for us. What did we talk last week? Watchfully and affectionately. And so last week we talked about that's why he wants us to take all of our concerns, our cares, our worries, and give them to him because he cares for us. So he's watching and he's waiting. And being a parent, I can say that like as you're watching kids because you want them to be able to learn some things on their own. But you're like just waiting for the chance to get in there and give to them and show them and train them and teach them. And uh, God is the same way. He planned a family and he planned for you and for me and for every person on the earth to be part of his family. Praise God, that's, that's good news. For God made Jesus to be sin for us. So Jesus became, I love it in the, uh, if you keep reading, uh, Jesus became what we were, which is sinners missing the mark, unable to approach God, looking from the outside, wondering if you're going to die if you come in contact with God, so that we could become what he was which was one with God, in the presence of God, uh, worthy of being in the presence of God, welcome in the presence of God, and actually invited into the presence of God. So Jesus became what we were, and then he took the penalty for what we did on himself, paid the price, defeated the devil, defeated sin, defeated sickness, defeated poverty, defeated disease, and he rose and is seated at the right hand on high, the right hand of God, and then he made us, Ephesians tells us, to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when we talk, and you know, we did a series this summer on the subject of faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. My favorite translation says faith is awakened by, excuse me, hearing the word of God. You should never, I should never, we should never get the impression that as soon as we... Years and years and years down the road, as soon as we have enough faith, then we will actually be who God wants us to be. No, as soon as we act on the word, uh, then you are who God wants you to be. And what's the simplest definition of faith? Acting on the word of God. Faith is simply acting like the Bible's true. So if you say, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he has made him to be sin who knew no sin. He didn't just do it for no reason, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If you believe that verse, and then you read in James, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, dynamic, and it's working. You go to pray, excuse me. What's your mindset when you pray? Your mindset is, I belong here. This suit fits me. These shoes fit me. This office fits me. My father has made a place for me right here in his presence. I have an audience with God Almighty who is my father. I'm not scared to go in there. I'm just going right into the presence of God because that's where I belong. That's called faith. So if your faith ever becomes works, it's not faith. But faith without doing something or faith without works is dead. Are you following following what I'm saying? 
So <clears throat> prayer is fellowshipping with God. But you know, as you read the word of God, when you read it with the life that's in the word, with the Holy Spirit, uh, you're fellowshipping with God as well. And how can you be close to someone if you don't fellowship with them, if you're not around them, if you don't spend time with them? And what happens when you spend time with people? How many years have you guys been married? 21. It's a test. <laughs> so they've been married for 41 years. And, you know, they start to, like, anticipate what the other one's going to say or what the other one's going to do. And sometimes, actually, you get around people so much, you start acting like them. You start to pick up things from them, uh, hopefully the good things and not the bad things. And, uh, but the same is true of God. Do you ever notice yourself or someone else, when they have spent time with the Lord or when you have spent time with the Lord, I like myself much better. Yeah, yeah. I like the me that's in Christ. <laughs> If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Jesus said, you'll ask what you will and it'll be done for you. I like the me uh, that's in Christ a lot better than the me that's not in Christ. I don't think I'm a bad person, but, you know, I like to say without Jesus, I'm a jerk. (laughs) You know, you ever get like, you're like, oh, man, what is wrong with you? And you kind of know like what's wrong with you. You haven't been fellowshipping with the Lord. Uh, His words are life unto those that find them and actually health to all their flesh. And so... As we remain in the word, you actually remain close to the Lord. And so when you have that and you have that consciousness and that understanding, like if you meditated on this verse every day for 30 days, it'll change your prayer life. I don't care if you even have a good prayer life now. You'll find like if any man, if anyone, any woman, any child, any old person, any young person, any middle-aged person be in Christ they're a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become anew. For he's made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So how righteous are you? Well, you're as righteous as God himself has the ability to make you. So I'd say you're pretty righteous. It says you're the righteousness of God. You're God's righteousness in Christ. And so um, he has made us his righteousness. And so the way that you get to be righteous is you're born that way. Even remember when Nicodemus, the Pharisee, was asking Jesus, like, you know, basically, how do you get to heaven? He said, uh, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you be born again. My margin of my Bible says born from above. So rebirthed. So how is, how is the problem going to be fixed? The problem of you messing up and me messing up and, you know, uh, feeling like, oh, we're not worthy or we can't do this right or I never do anything right or you know that's kind of someone of one personality that kind of gets down on themselves someone of the other personality would kind of like put up a front and be like I'm always right I never make mistakes you all should listen to me and uh, sometimes many times even especially like you think of a bully but even not a, uh, not a bully uh, maybe a grown up bully uh, those are some of the most insecure people that you will ever meet they just come off like that um and once you get in Christ and you realize that he is your righteousness and that uh, you can be bold about the things of God, you can be bold about what you're on this earth to do, what God has assigned you to do, your purpose in life, uh, then you can be bold. But you're not bold in a fake way. You're bold in reality. Because like, none of, like Paul said, none of these things move me. Like this might have happened, that might have happened, but I know my God. None of these things move me. Not only do I know my God, I'm right with my God. 
And uh, he has taken care of me. I want to read you one more verse, if I can find it in my notes here. Uh, I'll just paraphrase it. You remember uh, in Acts, I think chapter 9, where uh, the Damascus Road experience, that's where Paul was on the road to Damascus and he had orders to put Christians in prison and do all this stuff and a light shone upon him brighter than the noonday sun and Jesus appeared to him and um, you know, basically said, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, Lord, I'm not persecuting you. He's like, well, you're persecuting all these, you know, you've persecuted the Christians. And um, he said, uh, go, uh, I think on the street called Straight, and, you know, there'll be someone there to tell you words, you know. And um, then he went, and, of course, uh, they prayed for him after they said, Lord, do you understand what you're asking me to do to talk to this man? He's, like, killed people like me. (laughs) What are you doing? Uh, Because he was Saul at that time before his name was changed to Paul. And Jesus, in that whole thing, all he ever said that even comes close to uh, maybe... uh, rebuking him for what he did is, I am Jesus Christ who you're persecuting. But he never said, you killed all these Christians. You did all this stuff. You need to like uh, pay your dues uh, and I'm not going to let you in. He like, after he said, I am Jesus who you're persecuting, he ignored that Paul had, or Saul had done anything wrong. He just said, this guy is going to give you words of life. Go to this guy. So then that guy gave him words of life He got filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he got water baptized, and then, you know, the rest is history. And you see, like, great lives changed through the life of the Apostle Paul. Well, okay, Jesus said that to a man that was killing all of you and all of me, people like us, people that are part of his family, his children. Why? Because he declared every person on the face of the earth righteous by the power of his own blood, by the power of the blood of Jesus. So when we try to live our life based on our own accomplishments or our own abilities or lack of abilities, you'll fail every time, right? So if you go to a job, you get hired for a new job, and the boss says, you are the dumbest person I have ever met. I don't think you'll ever learn to do this. Generally, that makes people kind of shrink up, right? There's a few people that'll be like, I'll show you, you know? But most people, uh, it'll make you shrink up. And so that's what the devil's power over you and over me and really over the world is. He's telling every person that. You don't measure up. I mean, somebody said, see if I can get the, the illustration right. The devil will put his foot out, make you trip, and then blame it on you. Right? So he's like, well, why'd you do that? I like a pastor. I was part of a church in Michigan for a few years. And that pastor uh, used to say, he said, you know, before you're married, the devil tries to do everything he can to get you to have sex before you're married. After you're married, the devil tries everything he can to get you not to have sex with your spouse. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So the devil... <laughs> Sorry, that makes me go, hmm. The devil uh, wants to defeat you, but he has one huge problem. He's powerless. He's been defeated by Jesus Christ. Jesus got all the power back from him. So the only way that he can defeat you or defeat me is to get us to believe a lie. 
And the lie that he wants us to believe is, you don't measure up, you're not worthy. So if you think that, if you believe that, then tell me, how would you tell people about Jesus? If you think, well, you don't know the Lord well enough, or you're not acquainted enough with the Lord, you know, you really probably shouldn't say anything because you might say the wrong thing. Really, if you're born again, you have a testimony, and you can tell what Jesus did in your life, and that's really the best way to reach people. Your testimony that what God did in your life is the most powerful thing that you can speak because it's firsthand experience. You know how you were. You know how you are. You know what happened to you. And the power of the gospel is the power of lives changed by Jesus Christ. It's the power that his death, his burial, his resurrection paid for. It paid for you, for me, and for everyone else to be in the family of God and to not have a sense of guilt, not have a sense of not belonging. I mean, you find someone that found what they're called to do in life, and they're like, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Man, they are so successful. Most people I talk to, though, I'm like, are you doing what you're supposed to, you know, do you, you know, well, I don't know if this is a job really that I want to, you know, even take spirituality out of it. They're like, well, I'm just doing this for now. I'm just doing this for whatever, as opposed to talking to someone that knows they were made for this day. They were made to do this. Well, I'm here to tell you today, you were made for this day. You were made to live in 2016 at the age you are, at the place you are. If the Lord's told you to move somewhere else to do something else, go ahead. Just follow him because you can't go wrong following him. But God has made you and fashioned you and formed you uh, for the day. Actually, the Bible says that the days were fashioned for you in Psalm 139. Okay? So God knew you were going to be here. He actually says, it says he knew the purpose of your life. He knew where you were going to be, what you were going to do, what the call was on your life. He equipped you. So that you can do everything. But if you or I believe the lie of the devil that you, you know, oh, I'm just uh, going through life. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's how you're going to act. That's the results you'll get. And you'll live a very disappointing, frustrated life. But he came, Jesus came, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. Stand up with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have brought us into your family that we can come into your presence. So we do that right now without sense of guilt, fear, inferiority. We come boldly into your presence, into your throne room. Father, thank you for your call upon each and every one of us. Thank you for your plan for each and every one of us. Thank you for your love for us and for the whole world. Father, we pray that as we go today and this week that you'll give us opportunities to love on people with your love, to speak to people with your word, Father, and to be your voice and your feet and your light in the world, in our lives, in our jobs, in our schools, in our homes. Father, we thank you for your life that's flowing in us and through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning or you're listening online and you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not in his family, you've never received him, we want to pray with you and pray for you. You can slip up your hand and I'll pray with you and for you. If you're listening online, you can email us at info at anchordc.org. We'll pray with you and for you. It's just in a split second of time, you come into the family of God and you're made right with him through the power of Jesus Christ and the power of his blood. Father, we thank you for a great service. We thank you for your plan for each and every one of us. We plead the blood of Jesus over everything that concerns our lives, our hearts, 
our minds, our bodies, your plan for us. In Jesus' name, amen.